After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. Deuce and mo. The pocket that you know. Welcome into the Juice and Mo podcast. It may be the Kings offseason, but this podcast doesn't stop. We're doing Kings and NBA content all year long. Audio, and of course, we want to encourage you to check out our YouTube page for exclusive content all offseason long, Morgan Reagan. How about going to youtube.com slash at Deuce and Mo, and you'll get instant reaction from NBA playoff games, Ooh. plus breaking news. hey Morgan's gotten so annoyed with me because I'm like, hey, Morgan, we have to do breaking news uh, on this, or we have to go right after a game for this. I, I'm not annoyed. Paul's life. I know, but you're also like, hey, break is kind of life, too. Well, there is no break in the NBA. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we keep doing some videos after every single breaking news thing in the NBA. Mamba mentality. Oh, okay. I, actually, the other day, I made Morgan at halftime okay. do a video yeah. of Jokic going at it with Matashiba, the Suns owner. Thought we were just watching the game. Ready to go live, Morgan? Okay. <laughs> Got no choice, I guess. So check that out. YouTube.com slash at Deuce and Mo. As for today's podcast, a jam-packed podcast, we're super excited to catch up with the two-time NBA All-Star, Brad Miller. We're going to talk to him about what he saw in the Kings and how he's turned into a major Kings fan. Plus, we have to talk about Keegan Murray making the NBA All-Rookie First Team. Plus, how about someone who could be coming over to the Sacramento Kings this year? Sasha Vazenkov! Vazenkov. That's how I think it's said now. No, it is. Well, I know we've, we've been saying it differently. We've been saying Sasha Vezenkov, but it's Vezenkov. 
Lazenkov. There you go. He's playing the EuroLeague tournament right now. Mike Brown went over to go see him play. We'll talk about that. But first, let's start with our conversation with the one and only Brad Miller. Brad, I appreciate you joining us, number one. But number two, like, we've seen you at games over the last few years. And I see other NBA players are just kind of chill, watching games, they relaxing. Wave. No emotion, really. Yeah. You are into the games. You're there. You're a fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I live here still. So it's <laughs> like, uh, you know, since I retired, I've been here and I've been, uh, obviously played for the Kings. But, you know, this year being, a, being able to be a true fan of, you know, just watching the team every game and everything, the excitement just really got, got me going this year. The team was exciting and, you know, just being a fan. That's what Deuce and I were talking about you a little bit earlier today. And we were just saying, you know, you were into it this year, but you've been into it even when they were losing. You know, you were there. You're not just like jumping on and being yeah. like, all right, this is fun. So I'm going to be here and have some fun. But you've seen it all. So this team took a huge leap. What made this team stand out to you or make it so special? I mean, just uh, there's really similarities the way Domas was really playing, passing, distributing the ball. So you go back to big guys, you know, distributing the ball, being the main assist guys on the team. That's kind of what we did back in the day. So, it, you know, gets you excited to see that still in play nowadays with the way he was be able to be healthy. And then obviously Darren made uh, big strides and just kind of the way they play off each other allowed Darren to be more explosive towards the rim and uh, be more his best attributes a little bit more. Yeah. I, I was curious if that's how you connected more with this team, because you're right. Like Sabonis's feel for the game is just as someone who grew up in your guys's era, like I connected with those teams because of how you guys share the ball, the passing of you C web and Vlade. What makes a good passer, especially as a big guy? You got to earn trust. You're going to take some turnovers to get that trust. That's for sure. Uh, you know, I remember when I got to Houston with Kevin Martin, he was like, man, my back cuts are back because he just knew the exact timing of, you know, when to cut. And if you think a ball's not coming and that's what the defender thinks, and then we're throwing those passes. So, you know, it becomes a lot of trust. And, you know, it's very fun to have, you know, big guys that don't need to score. We like to see the other guys score and do all the other exciting stuff to get them, you know, more, more excited about playing defense and coming and passing the ball knowing that it's going to come around again because even when your guys's king squad was on the floor playing just kind of like we were saying it was uh it was almost innovative right these bigs that were able to pass at such a high level and then you're seeing it again in this modern day nba and you're seeing big guys really evolve their game what have you liked about the way that sabonis plays on the floor especially since he's not posting up every single offensive possession I mean, he just, he knows the offense. He gets to bring it up, you know, kind of, what I said, point forward, kind of back in the day, they described those guys that could bring it up. And that is kind of the evolution. Joker does it all the time and B does it some. So you see these big guys that get the rebound and actually can just get it up in the offense quicker than having to look for a point guard. And that really went into Mike Brown's strategy with pace this year. Obviously, we knew it was a historic pace year for the Kings of, everything they did, but having a big guy that can, you know, just start right away, get the rebound and just go with it. And then you got four guards running and that puts a lot of pressure on the teams. Yeah. With Sabonis in the playoffs, they were playing off of him, giving him that kind of mm -hmm. mid range. look. He looked hesitant to take it. And I know that's probably going to eat at him this summer as he works on his game. How much do you think that that's just kind of the mental part? Because I feel like he can, he can make that shot. 
I remember watching all summer's workout videos like, oh, he's busting threes and all these jumpers. I was like, oh, it's going to be, but the team didn't need that throughout the year. So he didn't really have to do that too much. Then you get in the playoffs and they will find the one thing that is not a strength. You might have 15 strengths, but if you can find one that they're like, well, and then they just get in your, it gets in your head where he's wide open at the jumper. I mean, I'm sure he's going to, I'd be eat up over it all summer. So it's something, you know, he's going to work out. He had a great season and, you know, Golden State's the champs. They got coached over there that know that from Popovich did it to me when we played against the Spurs. I didn't get my easy little 17 swing, swing oh. jump shots. He was like, no, do not allow it. So, <laughs> you know, those coaches just are really good at knowing how to take something away. So do you think like next year the Kings maybe need to utilize that Sabonis mid-range Every once in a while, if he's working on that, like just to I'm get sure, him comfortable, sure he'll, evolve, he'll evolve it. Just, yeah. you know, I mean, it. I mean, obviously, he proved all year to be the three seed and all star team and lead the league in rebounds. That, you know, he does a lot of things really good out there in the court. So, um, you know, the game is always evolving. You, you learn in the playoffs more than you do in the regular season because the focus defensively really shows you what other teams think you need to work on. And then you get to go back throughout the summer and come back prepared and ready to go. You know, we, we talked about how this team took a leap, not only with Sabonis and the way that he played, but Deer and Fox. We've already talked about the pace. I mean, Brad, you've been watching this team and you've been watching it in person over the years, and now you're seeing it in this season for Deer and Fox. He took this huge leap with the way that he was consistent, could shoot the ball, was playing on both ends of the floor. What what do you think clicked for him? What What made his game so special this season? confidence I mean this league's all about confidence I mean everyone could go out there do these individual workouts look like a MVP and then you get in a game and something doesn't go your way and then you have to learn how to deal with adversity and then I mean obviously I think started really Orlando it was over after Orlando game for D Fox when he hit that just like I'm like hurry up get a little closer (laughs) just take it as high and chucked it from just inside half court and you know, walked off that game winner. I think that really set the tone for him personally, especially with that confidence. And obviously, you know, Chicago, I'm that guy. So, you know, he just had a lot of moments where, you know, that growth, when you do that in the league, that gives you a lot of confidence. And not many people can say they've hit game winners in the NBA. You've had some playoff pain over the years, for sure. And now the Kings just experienced that playoff pain. I want to know how this feels as a fan because you're a fan. You're just rattling off all these things that happened during the season. The Kings just lost a game seven to the Golden State Warriors. I was hung over from that for like a week. Like, where, where were you at emotionally like right after that game ended, game seven? Um, I mean, I was just telling everyone just be happy for the season. People are, you know, of course you lose. You're like, oh, we lost and that depression. I'm like, just celebrate. You know, we went out after I'm like, just we're celebrating the Kings season. I mean, you took – the champs, the seven games, they're, it's not an easy task. I mean, obviously, L.A.'s doing a little bit better, but I'm pretty sure the Kings wore the Warriors down. I mean, we went, went, we went against Boston when I was with the um, Chicago. We went to seven games, overtimes, overtimes, and they were defending champs, and they got smacked in the last round. You could just see, like, they were exhausted because mainly you go to seven games, that's, that takes a toll on you. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, and and I think, you know, when I when I look at that for the Kings, I, I get excited that they had to go up against 
the defending champs in a lot of ways because they were given this challenge that was, you know, the best of the best. Like here, this is going to be your experience. Now, what are you going to do with it? And I thought they handled it all in the challenge really well. But now, if you're those guys, what are you looking at that you're going, okay, this is what we need to change. So when we make the playoffs next season, this is how we are going to be better. I just understand situations. I mean, honestly, like the first time you're there, you don't know what to expect. You know, the fouls don't get called and this stuff doesn't get called. And it's just, a, I mean, it's literally a whole different referee game when you get in the playoffs and people, the mental side of where you see a PJ Tucker. I mean, obviously Dylan Brooks didn't do the best mental, but that was what he was trying to do, you know, mentally get people's head and that's what you do when you play the same team over and over because you never do that in that you might play them back to back but you play someone else a different style and you get so locked into what they're doing to you and what you're trying to do to them and you know it's just the back and forth the adjustments that have to be made yeah i think the other thing too is we, we talk so much about the experience i think just getting the experience helps them like we talk about oh what else does this team need of course they got to get better defensively we know that but i even saw like signs of that in the playoffs, I feel like for them to get to the next level, it's just experiencing this and learning from it. There's no better experience than doing this against the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I thought they were going to get him. I wanted Dude. that matchup. I was like, this is really going to prove, you know. Yeah, it was shaky. Of course, we probably wanted the Clippers with those guys being hurt and get to the second round probably a little bit easier. But, you know, that's the playoffs. You're going against good teams round one, second round, whatever round you go to, pretty much everybody made the playoffs and is a good NBA team. And that's the best test you could really get is pretty much the champs and the NorCal and just all these uh, Warriors fans that used to be Kings fans, and you know, trying, trying to get back over to the Kings. So, you know, I think for the start of getting back in the playoffs, like it was Utah when the Kings started making the playoffs and they had to go through them a couple of times. Yeah. And, you know, they were a way better team and, so who knows, maybe next year we'll see the Warriors again and be like, all right, lived and learned from experiences and go at it again. Another NorCal battle would be pretty cool. Brad, I love that we get to talk to you as a, as a fan, sort of, you know, <laughs> um, because I, I've had this discussion with a few people. Like, you, Kings fans cannot in any way, shape, or form want the Lakers to advance, right? It's Lakers-Warriors right now. I, like, you have to still go – you know what, I would rather have the Warriors continue because then it's like you lost to a team that's going to make the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's, it's in between. If you go to seven games, you're like, I just wanted to get beat. Like, we should have beat them and felt like we would have had a better chance in the next round against how they're looking right now. But, you, you know, so it's kind of a hit or miss when you lose to the champs. Like, ugh, especially <laughs> the Lakers. Obviously, no one up here likes the Lakers. No. So. Do you, yeah. when, when, you, when you're at games, do you ever, do you ever talk shit to opposing fans? Like are people going at you every once in a while? Do you ever go back and forth to people? I uh, just kind of the guys that I know a little bit. I'll yeah. kind of say some words if they see me during the game, just to mess with them a little bit, but nothing too bad. Like I used to, that's for sure. <laughs> I can't even picture every time I see Brad at a game, he's like smiling, yeah. just cheering loud. Chugging beer. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so. Uber, Uber nights. Oh yeah. Uber yeah. nights for sure. Um, yeah. I, so when you played, did you talk a lot of shit on the court? Uh, it was, it was in between, you know, it just depends how you looked at it. You know, you could just grab a guy jab at him without having to say anything. And 
kind of get the same results. So it was fun. Though. And there's no doubt there's a lot of back and forth. Oh, wait, what do you think of the whole Sabonis green thing when it happened? Okay. Did you think, do you think Sabonis tried to grab his leg a little bit? Yes, but I mean, there's also, I mean, that's just what Draymond does to yeah. you. I mean, Sabonis is a, I mean, I'm kind of seeing someone step around me. I've got my hands and you're not trying, but you just kind of <laughs> instinct, you know, there you're like, oh, you just want to grab it real quick because he's been kicking you and whatnot. And, you know, that's just kind of old, old tussles of NBA that kind of looking at that. That's hilarious. Yeah, that that whole thing was insane to see in person. Oh yeah, I mean it was <laughs> it was on his it, chest. It, like, you, anyone that watches WWE, it was literally <laughs> that, which is very entertaining, but also just awful that everything was going down while Sabonis was like aching on the ground. Well, it was the other game. You stayed on top of him, wouldn't let him up, and then it ended up being four on four. You know, at the end of the game. Yeah. Because Raymond just oh I fell again like oh I fell again like you're like. <laughs> You know, stuff like that just gets very annoying. So, what do you think of Keegan Murray's rookie year? Like, are you are you impressed with what you're seeing in him? Oh yeah, I mean, obviously, I was selfishly wanting Ivy here just because he's a Purdue guy. Um, but you know, obviously, the system for what they got. I mean, this, that kid just came out of nowhere, really. In Big Ten. I watched a lot of Big Ten college ball, and you know, it was like freshman year, nothing. You're like, okay, and then it was like. Once uh, Garza left, and all of a sudden he's out there dropping 20. I'm like, what the heck? And then they beat us in the Big Ten Championship his senior year. So it was like, a, I mean, he he kicked our butt pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he had like 28 or 30 against us in that game. And I was like, how does this kid shoot so well? You think, you know, just kind of a sleepy, quiet guy and just out there busting 200-some threes in the NBA as a rookie. Yeah, I think one of the coolest parts about Keegan was seeing him – get better each game even in the playoffs that's well and that's the thing and then you saw him in the playoffs and it was like oh he flipped a switch and he gained a little bit more confidence and he listened to his coaches is that just him being super coachable or is that just like good what type of player he is and is going to be well that's going to be both i mean you see when you see a kid in college that was like you know they want to see these pros that average 20 as a freshman they don't let like people that actually stay in college and see their growth. Like, Hey, I didn't play much as a freshman because I had Matt Garza, who was an all big 10 bucket getter, you know, in college machine. And then he got his chance and all of a sudden he stepped up. Obviously his brother did the same thing this year. He left and his brother averaged like 18 this year. Like looks identical, obviously, but you're like, he did the same type of game of his growth. And then like I say, you get the seven games playoff, the adjustments where, you know, game six, he's playing the five. You never imagined that, I'm sure, you know, but his confidence got up. Defense, he knew, you know, Mike put a lot on Mike. If you suck defensively, you're not playing right now. And he took that to heart, and that's where he got more minutes each game and was understanding what it took a little bit more. So he showed me a lot in the playoffs to get better each game. I think the other thing just with this team is – they didn't just, like, limp into the playoffs. It's not like, hey, they got in and the streak's over – I just feel like this group has the chance to kind of make this sustainable, that they, they can be a playoff t- a playoff team for, for years to come now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mike Brown really changed the, changed the system. You know, they talk about the pace was way better than the Warriors back in the day when everyone thought Steve Kerr was crazy. When they went on their run, like how much they were scoring, how they are scoring. Like Kings did historical stuff and the confidence – you know, here at Trey Lau, I was like, this is my number one. I want to be back here, you know, as a free agent this year. And you see these pieces that 
I mean, the defensive player game changes everybody together. Like it really created a culture where everybody really, you could see it that they enjoyed playing with everybody and showing up and practice and just, it really just showed in all the, the little intangibles that not everybody has on a, an organization on a team, especially. Brett, I feel like one of the things that people don't talk enough about you is the fact that you are one of the rare guys in NBA history that went from being undrafted to being a multi-time all-star. When, when that, when you go undrafted, I'm sure it's humbling a little bit. You all have dreams to, to make it to the league. I'm curious what's going through your mind then. And I, I, I'm guessing at that moment you weren't like, hey, I'm going to go be an all-star after this. No, I definitely wasn't thinking <laughs> you know, at that point or nothing. Uh, you know, obviously it was very disappointing to, you know, go to a guy named Casey Shaw from Toledo that Larry Brown promised they were going to take me a couple picks in the second round, and that's that's who they end up going with in Philly. So I never I've never heard of that guy. <laughs> I mean, it, I literally had an Uber driver that was like University of Toledo, big fan. And he goes, yeah, we just had a guy get drafted last year from Toledo in the second round. I'm like, oh, you forgot about Casey Shaw. He's like, who's that? <laughs> I go, he's Toledo. He goes, I've never heard of the guy. He pulls it up. He's like, crap, that's my own school. And he still was like, never even heard of the guy. I'm like, that's how history is made sometimes. Oh. On the, you can be on the right side or the wrong side. He's definitely on the wrong side of that one. Wait, so you, you thought you were going there. And they... So they yeah, they promised my agent, you know, Pacers were talking about trading up. Oh. Houston was there. And yeah, when Al Harrington, Bryce Drew went to Houston. And then Casey oh. Shaw went to Philly. And Naz Muhammad went to Utah. And I kicked his butt in a workout. And it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. all right, this is interesting political game. But, you know, next day my agent called me. He's like, where do you want to go? And I was just like, whoever effing didn't have a second round pick. Yeah. And has no big guys. And, you know, it was between Charlotte and Houston. I went down to Charlotte for a workout and pretty much had a verbal guarantee. But because I wasn't drafted, I got to play USA basketball, Rudy T. And that's where he really wanted me to come to Houston. And, like, he got to see me play and be around. So, you know, I got to have other great experiences in life. And I actually was playing pro ball in Italy during the whole lockout. So I was in basketball ready shape and came back. And I was like, man, this NBA these guys are out of shape. And I was like, okay, this ain't going to be too bad. Dude, the, that lockout year, like I, I'll never forget just how different some of those guys look like. Sean Kemp came back and you're like, oh, what happened to Sean Kemp, dude? Some of these guys put on a lot of weight and we're like never the same. Yeah, me and Ricky Davis were the rookies. And it's like literally like Chucky Brown, I love him to death. He came in about 40 pounds overweight. <laughs> Derek Holmes was probably about 80. And we're literally doing down and backs and like, I'm just kicking it with the point guards, like turning it up. Like me and Rick, the point guards, are like, where the heck's the big guys at? Like, there ain't no big guys in sight. They're like, oh, oh. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, wow, so, that probably so that's that, very helpful. And that, I was gonna say that probably like shaped your game, you know, for what you ended up being in the future, especially being able to be this big that had evolved and was doing so much more not only with the passing but being able to run with the guys but is there something within your career that you're just like most proud of except staying in shape uh, during the lockout <laughs> season um you know just played with as hard as i could play it wasn't the most athletic you know just tried to outsmart everybody so i said like 
excuse me, you see like these slow pump fakes and how am I getting one dribble like this? And then it's like, stop, pump fake, up and under, like, and one. I'm like, how do they fall for this? So it's like, you know, just thrived on, you know, being one of those Indiana, fam- my whole family played college ball, three uncles, D1, my sister, my cousin. So it's just my cousin's in D1 football right now. He's he's the first one to defect the football, wow. but he's – yeah, just under six nine, about three twenty. So I oh think. Oh my he's like, god! Yeah, I think he's better off being in football than basketball. <laughs> so, at what point in your NBA career did you feel like, oh, I belong here and I made it? Like I'm, I'm really good. Well, once I made a shot because Lonzo Morning blocked like my first five shots in the league because they just played me against Charlotte or against Miami because I was the big guy and they were doing those three in the night, three games. After the end of a good fight. You deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a row, it seemed like Miami was always in there. Like, and I was like, can you just let a rookie get his first ball? He's like, man, F no. I was like, I was like oh, crap. <laughs> then like, I think I played the balls and finally had like 20 in the game. And I was like, okay, it's not Alonzo Morning. He's my only problem. That's when I... Also, when I had learned to run faster and start working on that jump shot instead of having to try to score down low on my up and unders against Alonzo Morning wasn't working too well. <laughs> yeah. So then when you agreed to go to Sacramento, when did you realize like, okay, this is the perfect fit for me? Uh, first practice about five minutes in when, you know, talking is like bigs down here, littles down here. And Coach Creel goes, all right, guys, let's just talk philosophy of basketball. Have a seat. And I was like, excellent like <laughs> and just talking like basketball knowledge of just little ins and outs of how to dribble a certain way like right hand layups shoot left handed left hand right hand just just like philosophy of basketball and then we started going five on five and playing you know doing the corner and these guys are cutting bodies throwing these 
heaters underneath behind the back and i'm like holy crap coach not even mad at him i'm like okay my turn i was like everyone's like cutting back i was like oh man i should i could have been in this system a long time ago so you're really a student of the game like i feel like so you just like soak that in and then obviously the words and then once you were on the court you soaked that in and it was like okay this is what this is how basketball should be played it was like just seamless thoughtless and it was just like one play called and there's like 85 options off of it i don't even know half the calls but you know it'd be like if this guy does this then you do this and this and it was just everything was what you saw is what you did it wasn't robotic it wasn't like you have to go from point a to point b and that was just like amazing to be able to play like that so does does this version of the kings do similar things oh yeah. yeah that's what got me so excited just seeing you know, the pass, pass, you know, drive in there and obviously they kick it out. And I mean, you can go back to like how, I mean, the determination when Herder hit that game winner, like earlier this season, it was a missed shot. I got the rebound and it's like attack though. And I was like, and it's like, and just stayed on it. So there's, you know, a lot of fun and but just a lot of passing and just everyone playing together. And that team with you, you guys had such a good team. It's like such a shame it did not work out. You know, Weber's injury, I think, really changed things. But, man, that was just such a fun squad. Like, what what do you think made that your your guys' team so special? Just everybody, everybody was together. I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, my first year page, was right at MVP level. I mean, it was like, you want to shoot the ball? He's like, I'm here to shoot the ball. We're like, <laughs> then you shoot the ball. We will pass you the ball in the corner every single time. Don't try to dribble it. Just shoot the ball. And just everyone got along so well and just, I mean, it was just such a fun, fun time to play. I mean, practices were fun and just goofing off with everybody was fun, but everyone took it serious when it was time. We need, everyone was very high basketball IQ too. So that makes it a lot easier, not just being athletes, but having basketball IQ and makes it so much easier. Yeah. You know, I, I want to ask like, how important is it for everyone to really like each other on a team? And I think, the obvious answer is like, well, of course. But then you do see today in the NBA too, like you could do a star-studded team and just kind of get by with some, you know, superstar powers or whatever. But, I mean, for team basketball, how important is it that these guys like each other? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to pass the ball guy or a sudden you're like, eh, I don't like him. You know, yes. you don't want any thoughts. So, you know, and there's always – teammates that don't get along off the court but it's always like on the court is you know we fortunately focus like that what matters on the court so as long as I like you on the court and we're having fun you know that's what you got to do you, you were talking about sitting around with coachy I'm curious what, what's maybe like the the biggest lesson you learned from him I said he blew my mind away of just talking about a right hand layup you should always shoot with your left hand because you are technically about a foot closer and no one can, wants to block you with the right hand. So like you mess them up and it's like, this is before all the guards started doing this is when, you know, it's back early two thousands and you know, all the point guards do it now, but it was like, honestly at that time, like even the guards didn't really do it. They were still like, all right, we'll do the floaters on the right or a left hand floater instead of switching it up. And it was like, honestly, one of the, basketball things that I had not thought of ever at the time and so that one's always stuck in my head as the first thing that kind of blew my mind away of like basketball IQ and thinking about things in a in a different way 
Yeah, I, I, I've talked to Doug Christie about this before, and he, he felt like he truly became a great player learning from Kochi. Like, just, just being around him, that he learned the game at a different level. He realized he didn't know much about basketball until he got around Kochi. Yeah, I mean, look what he did. Took a Princeton team with just being basketball IQ over UCLA back in the day. You're like, yeah, there's Cinderella's, but there wasn't as many back then of, you know, talented players on these smaller schools like there was. And he just out outsmarted them the whole time with pump fakes, back cuts, pressure, movement, playing together. And that guy, that guy knows a lot, a lot, a lot of basketball. And then your former head coach Rick Adelman goes in the Hall of Fame last year. Uh, when, when, when I mentioned Rick Allen, what, what comes to mind? Uh, he was my favorite NBA coach. I mean, just him and his family. You know, I played Minnesota. I was with David, lived in the same apartment. So, I mean, him had wings, like, almost every night it seemed like, or play some golden tea. And just his family, you know, always supported me. It was always nice. You know, we were there in Houston, yeah. Minnesota, and here. So, you know, I kind of chased him around a little bit. And I always say he chased me to Minnesota because I got traded there before he took that job. But I did go to Houston following him. So, you know, just a great person, made a big impression on my life. Brad, we, we know you're, you know, nowadays you're a Kings fan. We've done NBC Sports California hits with you. You're on the Ducemo podcast. So what else are you up to now? Uh, just always odds and ends, little business deals. Uh, still got the kids fishing pole company. It's been like the biggest winner of something. Start from nothing and actually have something that is actually good and, you know, made for the kids. It was kind of cool to hit that market. So that's always been like a fun little project of mine and just different real estate deals and stuff. Where I don't have to be there daily so I can be a fan and go to the games when I want. Yeah, I feel like you're always traveling. You're always doing something. A little something here and there. There's, I mean, I got a lot more stuff that's in the different parts. You know, I used to go back to Indiana for hunting season and yeah. the summertime and enjoy that. Enjoy that lifestyle. Is hunting like therapeutic for you or is it competitive or both? Uh, it's both. Yeah. I mean, it was like more therapeutic way on, then became competitive. Now it's kind of back into that mix of a little bit of both of trying to, you know, trying to grow the biggest deer we can grow in the county back in Indiana. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of work goes in that people don't know. Yeah, and you stayed in Sacramento. That's something you mentioned at the top. Why, why was staying in Sacramento important to you? Like, why, why do you um, still want to be in Sac? My daughter was born out here when I was playing, and uh, so she's still in school. She's a sophomore country day. So, you know, this is where she was born and really doesn't remember going to the Bulls or going to Houston much, and then, you know, so I retired when she was starting kindergarten because I didn't want to, I was going to be up in Minnesota, probably could have got out of there, traded, but would have been with Rick, but my daughter was starting kindergarten out here and I didn't want to miss that opportunity. So it became Sacramento. Dude, that's actually kind of cool. So you were, you probably could have played a little longer. I walked away from a bunch of guaranteed money, but Whoa. she was starting kindergarten. I was going to be in Minnesota. So, I mean, it's pretty awesome that you had your NBA life. And then you're with your daughter pretty much the entire time. Yeah. Like that, that's pretty cool. You don't like, have to miss those like big moments. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of those early age cuteness, you know, and when, when they really love their dad before they get too older <laughs> yeah. teenage life. So, you know, I got to experience all of those, all the really cute daddy daughter years together. <laughs> oh, good luck with the teenage years. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. 
I'm just not my favorite. Oh my god. I just I know how I was as like a teenage girl and I'm just like my poor parents. My poor parents. But I but I also I played basketball too, so like I was just they were like, just please keep hooping. Just please go. Yeah, just go to the gym. Leave us alone. Yeah. Get it out of your system. Does she play exactly. ball at all? Oh no. No. Oh no. <laughs> no no sports at all. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. Dude. Yeah. So big picture looking at Sacramento's season, you're on board with what, what what's going on in the future. You you feel really good about where they're headed. Uh, yeah. Most definitely. I mean, Vivek's done a great job when, you know, keeping the facilities and getting inner staff to really help players out. And I think it's just it's all starting to click a lot of years of, you know, just everything that went on and it's just starting to click now in this place. I say you'll get free agents. I saw that playoffs like Sacramento. Hey, that don't sound so bad anymore. You're like my Brown system. I can chuck threes up. I just got to play defense a little bit and play together. And obviously the fans are going to be nuts. So, you know, I think this really could have helped, you know, for some free agency. That's how it got me. It's like, man, they're they're really good. So I was going to go to Denver. I had some friends there. Melo just got drafted and Sacramento kind of came in late. And I was like, Oh, that team's awesome, and those fans are nuts. And it was like, took me like two seconds. But like, okay, told my agent Mark, ah, I'll go sack. See, and that's the thing. I always wonder how much NBA players care about like the fan perspective. I feel like I know money's important situation, yeah. But I, there's got to be something about walking into a building, even on a Tuesday night against Charlotte, and the place is sold out and rocking, and. Right. I feel like that has to attract some – it has to be attractable for, for some guys. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more recruiting where guys don't necessarily stay on teams as long, you know, as it is isn't like it used to be like five-year deals. I signed a seven-year deal that don't <laughs> exist anymore. So that was the last one in the history of the NBA. And so – but it's definitely going to help. Guys got free agent. Maybe they want to think they can show more i mean trey Lowe's all the jumps he made from what he's done in all his previous years like that confidence you can see and you're like that's why he got drafted high by denver like what he showed this year because he was finally able to find a system that he felt really comfortable and there's going to be other guys like that will come in and be like plug into this system and just instantly make them better better player yeah and i think that was one thing in the exit interviews listening to all the players like terrence davis was saying how he played fewer minutes than any time of his NBA career, but he felt like he got he became a better player because of Mike Brown. And then Trey Lyles is like, I'll do anything for Mike Brown. <laughs> like I, I'm just hearing this from all these players. I'm like, that that's another thing that has to attract guys. When when people can come to Sacramento and play you with confidence. Want to run through walls with Dude, people. Malik Monk says like I the difference is I had someone who believed in me, and that's oh, that's yeah. a big deal. Well, that's huge. I mean, if your coach ain't really giving you that confidence, then it shows, you know, and then you go through a stretch and it takes one little bad stretch and you might just fall off the cliff and never play, you know, find the bottom of the bench. And then you're like, you know, just like, I want to get out of here because I'm not enjoying the experience. And you get a good experience. I mean, it makes it makes the year a lot better to deal with. That's for sure. Well, Brad, I appreciate you hopping on with us for a bit. Uh, one, you were such a fun player playing in Sacramento, but I just, I love seeing you at games, man. You're, you're amped up. You're just like all the other fans. I love how much of a fan you've become too. So appreciate you joining us. 
Absolutely, no problem. We'll okay. see Kings next year in the playoffs, right? Another tattoo next year. Another tattoo? Yeah. Come on, Brad. You know it. <laughs> I'm getting a little beam right here. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Appreciate All it, right, Brad. Brad. No problem. Today's podcast presented by our buddy, Sean Stanfield, over at rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. Morgan Reagan, if you're looking to purchase a house, but I don't, can, can I afford it? Yep, and that's how you ask, right? Like a five-year-old kid. Yeah, and then yeah. I'd say, shut up and go to Sean. Well, should I refinance my house? Shut up and Sean will tell you. Okay, fine. Go to Sean Stanfield. <laughs> Seriously, we've known him for over a decade. He's helped our podcast listeners, whether it's purchasing a house or refinancing. Maybe it makes sense for you right now, or maybe you just don't know how to start the process. Well, Sean and his team over a guaranteed rate will help you with that process. So make sure to check out Sean's website, rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. You get loan options, neighborhood market and current rate research, everything you need in just a few clicks. You can also call or text him. It's pretty simple. 916-276-7563. That's 276-7563. Area code 916. Equal housing lenders, subject to credit approval, NMLS ID number 349707. Company NMLS ID number 2611. NMLS Consumer Access.org. Thanks so much to our friends at... Guarantee. Rate. Guarantee. Rate. And, oh, okay, I can afford a house. Now what do I do? Oh, I know. You go to this guy, Joey Reagan. That's right. He knows everything about this city. Actually, he knows everything about a lot of different cities, too. Um, Joey has helped not only some of our listeners, he has helped so many others in this city buy or sell their home. So if you have a friend that needs some help or if you need some help, make sure to go to Joey's website. Yeah, jreagan.golion.com. That's jreagan.golion.com. You can also call or text him at 916-412-4592. That's 916-412-4592. His license number is 0212-8070. Appreciate everyone's support with the Deuce and Mo podcast. All right, Morgan, a couple of King's notes before we get out of here on this episode could Sasha Vazenkov be coming to the Sacramento Kings at long last? Well, sounds like the all-out blitz is on by the Sacramento Kings. I started last week at the exit interviews when Monty McNair, the GM of the Kings, was asked about Sasha. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we're keeping an eye on the EuroLeague playoffs for sure. We're keeping an eye on what he's doing mm-hmm. with Olympiacos. Yeah, Sasha's a guy, obviously, we traded for the rights last year and uh, continue to track. Uh, he's playing in the EuroLeague playoffs right now. So um, right now we're enjoying watching watching him and his team and they've had a fantastic year and um you know Olympiacos is a fantastic club and um you know we've been able to to get to know him a little bit and um you know so again we'll sit down see what our offseason look like um here in the few next few weeks and uh, that'll be a decision for later in the summer but uh right now enjoying watching him in the playoffs well today head coach Mike Brown was on site for the game to see Sasha in person in the EuroLeague playoffs where Olympiacos won their game and Sasha had 17 points after having a nice second half. Morgan, we talked so much about Sasha going back to last year. Seems like he might be the perfect fit for this Kings team. He's got size at 6'9". He's strong. He's smart. High basketball IQ. And Morgan, can he shoot it? And that's it. And that's it. I mean, we just talked about what Monty McNair was asked about in the exit interviews, but then he also talked about how, yeah, 
we're looking to always add shooting, you know, whenever being asked, what do you, what are you looking to improve shooting, shooting, shooting? Like that is where this league is going. And if you can find someone like Sasha who can shoot lights out, sure. It's EuroLeague. EuroLeague is very impressive. I mean, not only the way, the style of play, but obviously there are so many smart players in this league. And that's what you see Mike Brown's team has a lot of those guys, high IQ players, high IQ guys that really know how to share the basketball. I mean, we've talked about how much we like this fit, but my goodness, I just love that Mike Brown, he already has that itch. He's just overseas. The season just ended, and he's ready to rock and roll. Hey, that, that guy wants to see it with his own eyes. You can watch the film. You can watch the tape and all that, but there's nothing like being in person. By the way, the atmosphere at these games oh is wild, which I, is so fun to see. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, like, fire hazards with all the smoke. and. I don't care. I want that. Okay. I want the chance. I want all of that at Kings Games next year. I'm with you. Uh, Vazenkov, by the way, is 27 years old, so it's not like he's some 22-year-old who's going to need time. He can step in and play right away. What does that mean? What would his role be? I think a lot deter is going to be determined on where's Harrison Barnes fit into yep. the Sacramento Kings, but I do think he can fit in seamlessly to this team, a big guy who could shoot the floor. I think defensively you might ask some questions about what he can do defending some of these fours in the NBA, and that's a fair question to ask. But from just an offensive perspective, I think he'd be a really good fit for Sacramento. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I'm hoping that um, they can have him come on over and he can be a good fit. Um, and hopefully there is something more there defensively that Mike Brown can get out of him. I mean, look, Mike Brown has done that to so many other players on this King squad. Why couldn't he do it to him? Well, Sasha Watch is on. We'll see how it plays out. His team, by the way, advanced to the EuroLeague final. Oh. Let's go. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have some people on the pod to talk about Sasha. And how much could it cost the Kings? That's another topic for another pod. And how about Keegan Murray? Actually, if, if fans started to do that games, yeah. if they got singing lessons and I went, Keegan Murray, yeah. I'm on board with that, <laughs> especially after the fact that Keegan Murray just got named to the NBA All-Rookie First Team. He joins a list including Paolo Bancaro, Walker Kessler, Benedict Matherin, and Jalen Williams from Oklahoma City. So yeah. not really surprised by this. I think Keegan's year is something that excites a lot of Kings fans because you saw growth. And I, I, I've said this so many times, Morgan, but the fact that you have a rookie who played and started on a team that not only made the playoffs, yes. but was the number three seed, won 48 games, he knocked down over 200 threes, a rookie record in the NBA. And then on top of that, he played playoff basketball against defending mm. champs. It didn't go smooth at first, but it ended in a nice way. Game six, he had that 45-minute outing. Yeah. He got experience that some rookies have to wait a long time for, and I believe this experience is only going to make him better going into next year. It's huge. It's I mean, and look at, like we've already talked about, all the accomplishments this season, and you only saw him get better and better throughout the season. And I think when you look at a lot of these stats or accomplishments, you go, okay, that's great, but there's so many things that he did as well that aren't on a stat sheet. That is just by watching his game, the way that his confidence took a leap, the way that he started creating his own shots toward the 
the end of the season and not just depending on relying on the dribble handoffs uh, from Domas Sabonis. You, we saw those were taken mm -hmm. away a lot in that Warriors series. So he started to create, putting the ball on the floor more and more, being more and more confident, just a high IQ, younger guy. And I'm just so excited to see what he's going to do next. I think the other thing that's pretty cool, just from an NBA fan perspective, talk about a lot of young talent in this league. We just went over the first team. I mean, Walker Kessler, what a year he had for the Utah Jazz. Hell yeah. He was in that Rudy Gobert deal. Which is just oh. insane to think about. And then Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. What talent he has, and he got a lot of valuable experience with OKC this year. Bancaro, we knew he was going to be a stud. Yep. Rookie of the year, Benedict Matherin. Oh, my dog goodness. Uh, the second team featured a couple of Pistons teammates. Jaden Ivey made the second team along with Jalen Duran, Tari Eason from the Houston Rockets, Jabari Smith from the Houston Rockets, and Jeremy Sohan from the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know, pretty entertaining rookie class. Yeah, I say so myself. I mean, a few of these guys, like, really watching throughout the season. I mean, sure, the Detroit Pistons. But when the Kings took on Duran, it was like... He did not look like a rookie. Mm. Not only his body size, but it was what he was capable of doing out there, getting those offensive young. rebounds. That's exactly it. Just a huge dude that is also seen a lot of success early on in his career. Appreciate you guys so much for hanging out with us. We'll have a night chat later on this week. We love you guys, but we gots to go. Hey, sleep beams always. Deuce and mo, deuce and mo. Deuce and Mo, they tell you what they know. Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo, the podcast that you know. Deuce and Mo. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 